Welcome back to Bad in Bed, the queer sex podcast, where we give you the queer sex education you never had, but always wanted and always deserved. Yeah, let's do it, baby. On today's episode, we're talking all things anal. Butt stuff is my absolute favorite subject, so I'm super duper excited. Up first, Gabby and I will be chatting about our personal experiences with anal sex, and as per usual, I will probably give you way too much information, so apologies in advance. Later in the episode, we will be talking to butt doctor extraordinaire, Dr. Evan Goldstein. He is the CEO of not one, but two anal-related companies. The first, Future Method, offers both education and products devoted to supporting safe, healthy, and judgment-free pleasure. Snaps for that. The second is Bespoke Surgical, an elite anal surgery practice for gay men and anyone looking to improve their anal health. The man is the absolute best at what he does, and Gabby and I consult with him whenever we write about butt stuff. A thousand percent true. When it comes to anal experts, there's no one better. Well, to be fair, Bobby, I do think you come close. I mean, I'd like to think so. I do have lots of experience. Well, good. You can be the top for this podcast, and I will be the bottom. Wow, we're switching roles today. As somebody who's outspoken about my sexual exploits, I like to take special care of my bum. And considering 90% of men who have sex with men douche through unsubstantiated methods, I want to make sure I'm doing it right. That's where Future Methods Disposable Intimate Wash comes in. Future Methods Intimate Wash is a first-of-its-kind, doctor-developed formula that both soothes and cleanses your colon. It's a pH-balanced isotonic solution that is body-safe, meaning you can douche as frequently as you want without worry. Essentially, this wash is a body-safe replacement for tap water that can be purchased in a 2-pack, 6-pack, 12-pack, or, for the most dedicated of bottoms, a 12-pack monthly subscription. Visit futuremethod.com and use the code BADINBED, all lowercase, at checkout for 15% off. Okay, Gabby, do you want to talk about your personal experiences with anal sex first, or is it my turn? I'll start, I'll start. For a long time, my go-to party joke was that I am an anal sex and CrossFit journalist. I said this on one hand because it's fucking hilarious, and on the other hand because for a really long time it was true. At this point, I've probably written 100, 200, 300 maybe articles about anal sex, anal fingering, pegging, rimming, and more. But while I consider myself a career expert on anal sex, right, I understand why, in theory, it's a sex act somebody might want to try and know all the rules on how to try it, (laughs) add that to my LinkedIn, (laughs) I will say that anal honestly hasn't made too much of an appearance in my personal sex life up to this point. Oh. I love eating ass. And, you know, enjoy having my butthole licked from time to time. (laughs) but have only anally penetrated a partner a handful of times with a strap-on or my fingers, Mm -hmm. and at the time of recording, have tried receiving penetrative anal exactly once. Oh, wow. And how did that go? Well, we used a stainless steel butt plug. Oh. And I really enjoyed the sensation the cold sensation of the stainless steel with the lube kind of circling my hole. Mm -hmm. But I, the pressure of it against my butt. My butthole was just not relaxed against 
against yeah. the toy. Like my body was not accepting it. And we like, I felt relaxed. I was really into this partner. We mm-hmm. pulled out our headspace meditation app and still my butthole was cinched fucking tight. Oh, that sucked. Well, I mean, I feel like that's a, absolutely one of the best toys to use. In my personal experience, I like the metal toys too, because it's almost like the cold soothes it a little bit and kind of like, it makes it more, you're more receptive to it for some reason. I don't know why. With your experience with anal sex, like was there like a first base is butt plugs and the second base is anal beads and then the third base is full-on anal penetration well i was when i received my first anal toy i was still in the closet so i was like i'm not using that you know i was still part of that whole idea that anal stuff is gay even though i was <laughs> i didn't want to admit it so <laughs> i started with the uh the billy 2 which is a toy from lilo and it's like a very modest sized toy and i realized like i was like okay I absolutely love this. This is a game changer. So I kind of started using that on my own and I actually started using it on like webcam. As I started writing more and more about butt stuff, more companies started sending me sex toys. So I was like, you know what? If it's in my apartment, why not go in my butt? You know? So I started doing that and the toys got bigger and bigger. Honestly, now that we're in the pandemic, like I, sex toys are my boyfriend, my everything, you know? Like I've actually spent a lot of time during this quarantine to kind of practice and make sure that like when we are able to go in the wild again, I'm ready to take a dick, so to speak. Wait, so does a butt plug feel like a dick, so to speak? Um, okay, so what I find with butt plugs is you're not supposed to be inserting it in and out over and over again because it's kind of like, it's got a hard edge kind of, like it's severe. It dro- so, so it goes in and stays in? Yeah, so it's supposed to get you accustomed to the feeling of fullness. Mm. of like when you do have like a penis or a larger toy in there. So it's just kind of to like, to get you used to that feeling. And it's actually great. Uh, butt plugs are great for doing Kegel exercises. So, you know, you have them in, you just deflect your muscles around the toy. And yeah, it's like any other muscle, right? The more you exercise it, the stronger it becomes and the easier anal sex will be. Mm. And I'm personally um, very, very fond of prostate massagers because I have a prostate. And so what these are, they are essentially vibrators that have like an intentional curve that hit your prostate as soon as you insert it. And my favorite for anyone listening who wants to know the best prostate massager on the market is uh, from Lilo and it is the Hugo. I've heard the Hugo been compared to the Cadillac of all prostate massagers. Did I write that? No, I'm just <laughs> It's honestly, it's the best. And I will say yeah. I don't have a prostate, right? But I've used the Hugo yeah. inside my vagina to stimulate my G-spot and also am like, wow. Oh, that's so interesting. But our anatomy is all very similar at the end of the day. We could go on for days to talk about this, and we probably will in a future episode. But in terms of, I guess I kind of skipped over my early experiences with anal sex. So I'll go right into that because I will tell you they weren't fantastic. So (laughs) my ex was the first person I ever had anal sex with. And when I had it, I was, you know, I came out of the closet later in life. So I was so excited to finally do this thing I've wanted to do all these years. And to be frank, I was super disappointed. So now that I've had anal sex many, many, many times, I came to realize that this is because the shape of his penis actually was just poking my prostate or bladder over and over again. So there was always like this sharp, uncomfortable feeling when I was having sex. So after we'd have sex, the pain, like the discomfort didn't end there because I felt like I always had to go to the bathroom all the time. So like there was like a solid hour where I felt like I had to keep peeing. Do you think that was like an angle of 
the person's penis situation or the position you were using? Like, why would that be? How can folks make sure that they don't have anal sex and then resultingly feel like they have to urinate for an hour? What you have to do is really work around with positions that feel best for you because everybody's penis is, you know, different sizes Mm. and shapes and lean certain ways. And while our anatomy, you know, our internal anatomy is all similar, you know, someone's prostate might be closer to two inches in the other one might be closer to three inches in. So it is, it's all about finding the positions and the angles that work Mm. best for you. I just found that positions that he tended to prefer were the ones that I didn't enjoy. So we weren't compatible in that way. Yeah. Bummer. Well, I mean, it is, and it isn't because he gave me an STI on three separate occasions, but we won't (laughs) go there. Wait. So Bobby, I have a question for you. You are so well known in the sex space as a person who writes about the ins and outs of anal. Do you feel like this has created this sort of like perception of you as this like anal sex god? Oh, oh, hell yeah. So, I mean, you and I have chatted about similar topics in the past and how we all feel like we have imposter syndrome. Like, I would definitely describe my level of butt sex to be intermediate. I'm not going to say I'm a pro in practice. I know everything that goes on academically and I can teach to it. But I would say in practice, like I'm not taking massive toys or fists. Not to say I'm not opposed to it, but I know what I'm doing and I'm confident that I do it well. So it's, you know, it's more about just, it's my confidence level. I know when I can step it up. I know that I don't want to injure myself and I know that I will if I try to upsize when I'm not ready and I'm not ready yet. Mm. You got to gauge your own comfort level and I've been upsizing in the quarantine and I'm very proud of myself. So I would say I'm getting to the higher level of intermediate not yet a pro. I'll leave, and you know what? Being a solid sex educator is knowing what you know and knowing what you don't. Don't you agree? Okay, wait. So question for the people who are tops and want to anally penetrate their partners, be it with a penis or a strap-on. Do you have anal sex tips for tops to be the most magnificent top out there? Well, Gabby, I just so happen to have written five tips to pleasurable anal sex. If you'd like to hear it, I'd be happy to share. Hit me. So my first tip would be to stimulate the area first. So whether that's with your tongue through analingus, or if that's using a finger or two to insert, and just warm the area up to something larger, potentially a penis or a toy. It just really gets the area comfortable before you go full tilt with penetration. Can I just add that rimming can feel so good in part because there are so many damn nerve endings right at the entrance of the anus? Do you know what the number is? I think it's 4,000. There's many. I don't know the exact number, but I do know that the most are hosted within the wrinkles of your... So like, don't be scared to like, let your tongue dig into those little, like, you know, those little morsels in your butthole. It's, that's where they all are. And I promise you might be uncomfortable at first because it's a new sensation and that's totally natural, but... Lean into the feeling and you're going to like, toes will be curling. And what's really fun is when you're eating a partner's ass is that when you can feel the ass begin to pucker around your tongue, it's almost as if the region is inviting you in. Yes. That's uh, that's coming up. It's in one of my points. Okay. I jumped ahead. I jumped ahead. (laughs) So uh, the second is to be patient, which is, I would argue, the most important of all. Besides lube, but that's later. It's going to take your internal sphincter about a minute to relax because it's used to being closed tight the majority of the day. So I recommend tops enter slowly, inch by inch, 
and communicate with their partner throughout, like with each inch, make sure they're comfortable and they're welcoming of the what, what you're inserting, whether it's a toy or their penis. So as the bottom though, it's also your responsibility to express discomfort or pull away if things get too intense. It might be uncomfortable at points and you should express that, but you it should never ever be painful. And if it is, stop what you're doing and reassess, you know? Okay, number three, just as important as, as number two, use lots and lots of lube. I've said it before and I'll say it again, you can never have too much lube. So apply it generously to the penis or toy, the butthole and inside the butthole. I'd actually recommend using a lube injector to make sure the lube gets nice and deep. And you can buy these for like five bucks. They are not expensive at all. Okay, so on the topic of using lube anally, I feel like it's important for folks to know that the reason it's so important is that the anus, unlike most vaginas, never self-lubricates which means that unless you add store-bought lube to the area, it's not going to get wet. So without that lube, you're not going to get that oh-so-pleasurable sliding glide. Right. And um, I wrote an article because I've heard a lot of bottoms who like to say, oh, I self-lubricate. I don't need lube, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, not true. If you do lubricate anally, it usually means that you have an STI or there's an infection in there because it's producing an excess of lubricant to just – to ease, you know, fecal matter to go through or, you know, it's it's making excess of something because something's not correct. And it's worth mentioning that if somebody has a throat STI, for instance, throat gonorrhea or throat chlamydia and uses spit as lubrication, the STI can be transmitted to the area. Yes, it can. Number four is train before sex. So if you have the time, I recommend inserting a plug prior to anal sex to inform your body of what's to come. So like, I like to put in like a little small plug, the one I have in right now, because, you know, we're talking about this. Wait, right now? Of course. Wait, Bobby, what does it feel like right this second? It's a modest size. So it's uh, it's the B-Ball Uno from Fun Factory. So it's a little ball that like has this rumbling sensation on the mm. inside. So if I wiggle, I can feel it like jingling around. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when you laugh, does it feel different than if I'm not being hilarious? Yeah, and I'm performing a Kegel right now. So... Wow. You know, proactively training my bum. It kind of, it gets your bum already used to it. It's like an appetizer. So you're like, okay, we're going to be eating now. And then at the very, the last one is, you know, the top likes to think they're in control, but the bottom should be taking the lead. Mm. So this is especially important in the beginning because bottoms are the ones in the vulnerable position. So it's important that the top checks in with them. And lets them know how they're feeling, like asks how they're feeling. And this doesn't have to be like, are you okay? It's, it can be like, does that feel good? Does that feel good? You know, it can be sexy. So it's equally important that like the bottom expresses how they're feeling and to say it out loud. Right. Or they can either moan or give other audible or physical cues, you know, just like let them know when they're doing something right or let them know when they're doing something that's you're maybe not okay with. Communications is the utmost important thing with any sexual activity. Wait, so I noticed one thing you didn't talk about was preparing the area in terms of douching, showering, using a wet wipe. I mean, I feel like you can't have a conversation about anal sex without talking about poop or mess. I know you like to call it mess. Well, Gabby, I actually did that on purpose because I was hoping that Dr. Goldstein could speak to that. Let's bring on Dr. Goldstein to talk to us about all things douching and anal sex preparation. I'm sure he'll answer a lot of the questions that you listeners may have.
Gabby and I are thrilled to have Dr. Evan Goldstein on the podcast today. He's the authority on anal health and pleasure. The three of us are very well acquainted because, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, we almost always consult with him whenever we write about butt stuff. Welcome, Dr. Goldstein. How are you doing today? I am great. Thank you, as always, for having me. So, uh, so Dr. Goldstein, today we're going to be talking to you about all things anal play. But before we get into some of, some of our more nitty-gritty, messy, poopy questions, we'd love to start by asking you why anal sex is even something folks might want to and try incorporating into their pleasure life. Why is it something that can feel good? Why wouldn't anybody want anal in their lives, right? Um, I think specifically, uh, you know, the nerve endings in the pelvic floor are both pleasurable and obviously we speak a lot of the discomforting nerve endings. Um, and the key for us is to really enhance people's sexual practices. And by doing that, just make it that much more pleasurable. We speak a lot about the prostate. Uh, that once you start tapping into that anally, it just gets your orgasms just that much better. And the same thing on the female side with um, all the positive nerve endings, both anally as well as uh, vaginally. It just, I think it just makes sense. It's the, it's the, the new frontier. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Gabby and I were talking earlier. We touched on it, but we wanted you to go into greater detail. Um, douching seems to be an issue that a lot of people can't get right. They make a lot of mistakes when they do it. So I was wondering, based on like your expertise, what are the most common mistakes people make while anal douching? And even, you know, is it a must? Is it something folks need to be doing before exploring the new pleasure frontier? Yeah. So I think that no, even though I'm co-founder of the company called future method, um, the reality is, is that no, you don't need to douche. I think the key component for people is to understand that it's gut health, not specifically anal health. And how do you fiber, diet, exercise, how do you kind of get yourself into an appropriate rhythm that your body is allowing you? Um, and then it, that gets you clean in and of itself. I think we speak of all the time the misunderstanding of the anatomy. Um, and people need to understand that shit itself is much higher than where we are going to have sexual play. So the anatomy itself is, oh, I'm ready to take a shit. The bowel obviously moves into place and then you evacuate and you have your bowel movement. And where toys or penis or whatever you're sticking up there is going, the reality is that most people are clean. Now, I know regardless of what you or I or you say, the reality is, is that the society pressures, your own internal pressures are so great that people mm. will continue to douche. How do we now educate people on the right way to douche? How do we make sure that people have a solution that's not toxic like water or enemas that can cause the microbiome to be issues? And how do we now kind of create this movement of positivity, but yet also an understanding of the risk benefit ratio? And how do we maximize as much pleasure as possible? You know, like sometimes when you do have sex, anal sex, there is poop does happen. But does that necessarily from say the recto sigmoid colon? Or is it from just like remnants in the rectum and people are actually thinking it's poop, but it's just kind of from the walls? 
there's two com there's a couple of components with this one is we need to make sure that people understand that when they're douching i feel like it should be thought of as rinsing more so or cleansing okay um you know that area there's probably going to be a little bit of residual and that's why adding a lot of fiber especially nighttime fiber if you're bulking your stool at night the first thing you do in the morning most people is go to the bathroom it allows for everything to be kind of congealed and and poop that out right but when you think of douching it gets rid of any of those remnants now right when you look at water and you look at shit shit itself is oils mm -hmm. and fats and water does not actually break down the fat and oils that are in stool and when we did a lot of work looking at people's habits they're using huge devices so they're over douching with large volumes and they're also doing it way too many times and if you're doing it way too many times you're actually going so much higher than what you need to and you're causing so much damage so the key was less is more say like with the appropriate size douche how many washes should you be aiming to do like how much is too much and what's like the recommended amount i think that the when you look at the pouches that we sell the pouches are about three three 3.4 fluid ounces and it's also because we obviously a lot of us are on the go and travel so when you look at each pouch it's about two to two and a half bulbfuls, depending upon how you're filling it up. And I would say that most people, most people, I would love people to get to one pouch ideally, but most people are probably at about one and a half to two pouches, depending upon what they're doing. But I think that the key for us is like, how do you look at where you're eating? How do we bulk that stool to really make sure that you're optimized as much as possible on probiotic and fiber and all of that and then try to see if you can slowly start to bring down the douching routine that you're doing and i tell people all the time use a toy after you're doing this so that one you could get any residual um, liquid that's there two you could pre-dilate pre-lubricate but you could also see that you're actually clean and i also tell people all the time like Use a toy even before you're douching to show yourself that probably nine times out of 10, you'll actually be super clean for run-of-the-mill sex. So Dr. Goldstein, when you use the phrase anal damage, what is it that can happen to the anal canal if somebody douches with the wrong solution or douches with too much of the right solution? Like what is the damages we're talking about? Yeah, so a couple of things. When you look at STD risk, and you look at HIV and you look at all of these, douching elevates those transmissions. And one of the ways that it does that is by altering the microbiome. So what happens is, is that we're douching and we're getting rid of the lining internally that is actually protective. And so by doing that, the body is really smart. It starts to change. Um, it starts to put more mucus. Uh, what we do know is that it also changes that microbiome where now the normal homeostasis of bacteria, both good and bad, is altered. And you wind up having the bad bacteria start manifesting and growing more, where now, even before you have sex, 
the tissues there are raw and you don't feel it because they're insensate higher up there's no nerve endings to tell you that something is wrong but once you start to have sex the pressures of sex are so high now the raw tissue is irritated and boom that's where the transmissions happen std hiv you could also have tearing hemorrhoids all of these specific issues locally that a lot of it could be avoided if we start kind of analyzing sex in a different way. For folks who have been douching with the wrong solution or too much of the right solution, who are already experiencing the negative effects of sort of less good bacteria or more bad bacteria in their anal canal, what can they do to bring back the health of their anal microbiome? Yeah, so I think it's a great question. Uh, the key for us is really the body is really smart, right? Um, if we start to abstain from causing all of that damage, the body over time will repopulate. With that being said, obviously healthy diet, really using that fiber supplementation, probiotic work, things like that, and then analyzing how do we make douching safer. Um, by using the right solutions. Um, and, and again, you know, I think the key for us with Future Method was like, how do we educate people on the good, the bad, the ugly, and then also provide a solution that is going to reconnect people back to what we would consider as being normal. like Bobby and other squeaky clean bottoms, but I do clean my bum bum. Every time I'm in the shower, I lather my cheeks with a fragrance-free soap, and once a week as part of hashtag self-care Sunday, I give my peach a nice rub down with Future Methods butt and body scrub. A gentle exfoliate made from chia powder, jojoba beads, citrus, clove, and cedar, this butt and body scrub is all about removing dead skin cells, as well as lingering lubricant, jizz, and other body fluids. I've been using the product for the last two months, and in that time, my bum has been called, quote, incredibly luscious, baby soft, and even smoother than a well-dressed butch at a lesbian bar. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Use the code BADINBED, all lowercase, at checkout for 15% off. I've got a question that's a little off topic, but I get it all the time and I'm wondering if you can help with it. There's people who always ask me if you have like, what are tips for people who have IBS, like anal sex tips for people who like, you know, they have an issue there. So they just don't know, like, is there something they can do to make it less of an issue or? I just don't think a lot of people have had the full workup that they truly need. I think people throw IBS around um, a lot, but yet I'm not sure that they've done everything that they can specifically in the community to get the right information and testing. We see a lot of this thing called SIBO which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And a lot of doctors don't even test for it or know about it. So I think that this is great because we're actually able to educate people. We are oral, anal, licking, loving people, right? And because of that, a lot of different bacteria gets into our system and it alters it. 
where one, first of all, if you're having irritable bowel issues, we need to make sure that you're being monitored and checked the right way. So a gastroenterologist that knows everything about our community is a must. Um, we need to make sure that you are having all of these appropriate blood work and stool studies. The SIBO test is actually a breath test. Um, and a lot of people uh, have that being positive. And then your irritable bowel issues are treated with appropriate antibiotics. We need to make sure that you're doing the right things, getting a full endoscopy, colonoscopy, get things ruled in or ruled out. Um, and then from there, we could look at different medications and routines to allow you the right ways to bottom. I mean, and it's also very difficult to find the right doctor sometimes. I've I've had difficulty trying to find, you know, a queer-friendly doctor. And I've had anal surgery from someone who wasn't. And I was very uncomfortable because of the, you know, the way I was being spoken to. And it seemed like judged in a way. But um, what I wanted to ask you as well is, you and I have talked about this quite a bit, is um, can you explain what an anal fissure is and how they most commonly happen? Um, anal fissures is a tear. Um, I tell people all the time in the office, uh, there's two spots in everyone's ass that is super, super um, fragile. It's the front and it's the back. And everybody has the propensity for tearing. And it could be from having a big bowel movement, constipation, lots of diarrhea, or from sex. And with that said, it's basically a cut and the skin separates. The problem is, is that let's say you have a cut in your hand, meaning you perfect, the skin separates, and then over time, the skin heals the right way. In the ass, it doesn't heal that way. The body is trying to close, but we shit. It's trying to close, and then we have sex. And so the body says, okay, fuck it. I'm never going to heal the right way. Why don't I just lay down scar? But that scar tissue that scar tissue is very weak and it may be strong enough to withstand the pressures of shitting. But the second we increase those pressures with bottoming, all of a sudden that scar tissue tears again. Um, and it becomes this very cyclical issue where people are like, I feel really good. Yeah, I'm excited. I want to get fucked tonight. And then boom, right when having sex, it happens again. And then they let it heal again. And then it keeps going and it just becomes this issue. Sometimes the way that the scar heals, it also forms an extra piece of skin in the area, like a little bit of a skin tag. And that is the body trying to kind of create a callus. It's the same thing if like you and I were using a tool, uh, excuse me, using like um, going to the gym and lifting weights and your body creates a callus where there's kind of friction. It's the same concept. And so with that said, those fissures become chronic, and then I need to do something surgically to help assist the healing process so that people are able to bottom without issues. So is there not a way to increase the mobility of that anal scar tissue without surgery? Yes, there is if someone catches it early enough. And the issue from all of us is that a lot of people don't want to talk about their ass or they're embarrassed, there's taboo, or they don't have access to appropriate care. So with that being said, 
100%. If let's say there's an injury, I take someone too big, or this sex session was a little bit uh, too aggressive and a cut happens, then yes, using suppositories called Calmol 4, they're called they're cocoa butter suppositories, which I really like. There's a compound medicine that we use to help decrease the pressures. We're actually using a blood pressure medicine that helps the muscle relax to kind of take away some of that pressure so that it could heal the right way. Seeing me in the office that I can put a little bit of some chemical into that scar line to allow it to heal the right way. And then also like, instead of just going back to the big dick um, or the big toys, it's how do we use toys to help that scar tissue in a very, very, very controlled way so that now we're setting the stage for people to heal. So, so what are the symptoms or early signs somebody might be experiencing that says that they should get to you before they get to the point of needing surgery? Fissures are painful. So people have pain. Uh, there's burning. Um, a lot of people are using now bidets. I work closely with a company called Tushy, uh, which we love. But when they turn on the bidet, it's like stings you. You're like, oh, fuck, what is this? So it's just a rawness that is there, bleeding, irritation. You definitely don't feel sexy to engage and bottom. Now, I usually tell people, use like five to seven days as a rule of thumb. Can I use suppositories, take Epsom salt baths, make sure my shit is soft and easy, and see if I'm getting into a better space. If by day three, five, six, that you're like, hey, I'm feeling really good, great. Then No, you don't necessarily need to rush to see me. But if it's something that's after about a week where you're like, God, this, I'm not really getting any relief from any of this stuff and I'm still feeling irritation, we should really get into the habit of seeing people once a year where we're able to kind of help combat and do more preventative work than obviously the post-trauma issue. Yeah. Dr. Goldstein, is there anything else that you want to let people know about, about anal that we haven't touched on? I know we got pretty in the weeds there, but in case there's anything else. I am trying to empower the bottom. Most tops suck, literally. Um, and, and they don't understand certain things. It's not just stick it in and shove it going. It doesn't work like that. When you are engaging, that yes, you can be submissive if that is something that you want to be, but you could also be submissive and put yourself in the right positions. You could also be submissive and use the right preparation techniques, right? We weren't taught the right way to engage sexually. Um, and, and because of this, we are taking over from both the medical and the media side to really start creating credibility as it relates to the right way to engage. And I think that that is, is, is an, it's a new dawn. Everybody is ready to talk about sex. Everybody is talking about anal sex. Um, and now it's just making sure that we are putting out credible sources to make sure that everybody gets all the information that we need. When it comes to anal sex education, there is truly nobody better than Dr. Evan Goldstein. Bobby, I'm so glad that we were able to get him on the pod. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about all things strap-on sex, including dildo blowjobs, strap-on pegging, strap-on solo sex, and so much more. 
And don't forget to follow Gabby and I on social media. You can follow Gabby on Instagram and Twitter at Gabrielle Cassell and myself at ByBobbyBox. You can also follow our incredible podcast producer, Vivian McCall, at Criminal Meme. That's Meme, M-E-M-E. -M -E.